0: is rashad penny the best waiver out of the week can ben roethlisberger actually help you win your league and with emmanuel sanders expected out should you invest in cole beasley or gabriel davis we are in the mood for fantasy football we are pro football network i'm your host bj rudell pfn's fantasy football director with me as always our pfn fantasy analyst tommy garrett and jason Katz, better known as Katz. very quickly some of you are joining us new uh, you have not heard or seen this before just so you're aware tommy has written over a thousand articles for pro football network with expertise not only in nfl-based fantasy analysis but also college football and the nfl draft Katz has been producing fantasy football content since 2015 including as a writer and producer on four different sites before joining Pro Football Network. And I've been a fantasy podcast co-host for ESPN Raleigh and a fantasy writer for ESPN Raleigh, Sports Illustrated, NBC Sports. And I've won a few national fantasy competitions, including against over 300,000 people. So the three of us know our stuff. We study it every day, all day. Stick with us. We'll tell you everything we know. Uh, We're going waiver wires today, uh, starting with QBs. Who should you pick up who may be available on waivers? We're going to start with Ben Roethlisberger. Tommy. Can you share your thoughts on uh, whether fantasy managers should pick up Ben for Week 15?
1: Ben's been interesting. I, I mean, kind of as has the entire Pittsburgh Steelers offense in general. Uh, if you look back at these last three weeks, he's got uh, three top 10 finishes in the last four weeks. Last week, and comes out there, fires off 28 completions on 40 passes, 308 yards, has three touchdowns, throws a pick. Could have had a fourth one uh, for the game. For probably would have been the game tying score. They would have got the two point conversion. Of Pat Fryermuth, but Harrison Smith made an incredible play to knock that ball away. Um, in those in the game in his last four games, he's averaging thirty nine attempts, um, and he's averaging thirty seven point nine per season. But I think the biggest thing to me is the Pittsburgh Steelers' inability to kind of get going in the first half, and it's forced Ben to arguably the best quarterback in the NFL in the fourth quarter. I know this sounds crazy, but if you look at his season so far, just in the fourth quarter. He's 108 of 155, so nearly 70%, 70% completion percentage for 1,200 yards with 10 touchdowns in one pick. He has more touchdowns in the fourth quarter than he does in all of the three quarters combined. So if the Pittsburgh Steelers end up getting down or they kind of fall behind in the game, they're relying on Ben. And right now with Deontay Johnson kind of being that safety blanket, Pat Fryermuth being a you know a guy he's trusting as his Heath Miller 2.0, and even if it, every once in a while he takes a deep shot to chase Claypool, if the offensive line gives him time and i think he's got some upside. Cats, you've got a contrarian streak in you. What do you think?
2: Uh, i'm mostly with Tommy on this one. Ben has thrown a touchdown pass in every game this season. He's thrown multiple touchdowns in 4 of his last 5 games. He's been a QB1 in 3 of his last 4 games. And to Tommy's point about Ben in the 4th quarter, the problem is, and much as we may like Najee Harris, the Steelers just insist upon running and running and running in the first half, and it just doesn't work. And they get doing it Exactly. It's ineffective rushing, which is not a fault of Najee mostly. if the offensive line is just, just can't get any push, but they, they get down and they have to pass to come back and Ben, Ben can do it. Ben's proven capable of doing it. They have an excellent receiver. One of the best receivers in the NFL and Deontay Johnson but Yet they choose to not use him, not use chase Claypool, not use Pat Fryer move until the second half until the fourth quarter. If yeah. they can just figure it out that you, that you pass to set up the run, not the other way around, they'd be much more effective as an offense.
1: I mean, Tennessee is 26 against a quarterback. Like, you probably know where you probably ought to attack this defense.
0: And thank you, uh, Dalton B. Miller, uh, for joining us uh, on the message the board. Uh, he shared that uh, Tommy has a bigger tree than me, and I feel self-conscious about that uh, for those watching. Not the size that matters, bud. You can see it's that Tommy's champ. got a beautiful, beautiful Christmas tree uh, that is uh, uh, built like him, uh, lean and tall. Um we're going to uh Tua Tagovailoa. Uh these Dolphins, it's been a tale of 3 seasons cats. Uh 1 and 0, a surprise upset win over the Patriots, then uh, 7 losses, and then suddenly what is it? 5 straight wins uh, including one uh impressive one uh against the Ravens. What do you make of this? Is Tua against the Jets and going forward a fantasy playoff winner?
2: I love Tua. I have picked him up in multiple leagues either to start or to stash. He has been the guy, I I mentioned uh, either in an article or possibly on here a couple weeks back, is a guy you can put on your bench to start in the fantasy playoffs because he will actually be startable in all three weeks. Uh, This week he gets the Jets, which is a fantastic matchup. Then he's got the Saints pass funnel defense in week 16, and he closes it out against... The Titans, which Tommy just mentioned, six the uh, six most fa- six most fantasy points uh, allowed to quarterbacks in week seventeen. You can probably use Tua in all three of your playoff matchups. He has thrown five touchdowns over his last three games, and and I think he's one of he's, I think he's a QB one down the stretch.
0: Tommy, do you have any concerns about uh, uh, the run game? The fact that there's uh, uh, not a lot of healthy guys you brought up earlier in our conversation. You were saying this Mm -hmm. could be a Duke Johnson day. We don't know if Malcolm Brown will be back. Is there any chance that the Jets defense could decide, you know what? We're going to give up the run, uh, but we're going to try to focus on the pass. Is there any chance to contain Tua? Is there a downside to this play?
1: The Jets have given up the run all season while still trying to stop it. I mean, they're almost dead last except like, I think they're the 31st in the last four weeks behind the Pittsburgh Steelers and trying to stop the run like they're as bad as they get when they're trying to actually do something against it. Uh, to me, if anything, I just feel like if you don't have a solid running game, like if you're out here trying to bring in Lamar Miller as a practice squad running back right now and test him out, I feel like you're probably not going to want to rely on the running game. There's a good chance we might see, you know, like I said, like uh, some of these guys come back, even, you know, even Miles Gaskin, if he comes back, he would be a great start. But. I feel like right now you're probably going to lie on on Tua and in the games that he starts, he's averaging 19.1 fantasy points per game in his seven full games so far this season. You go back to week 11, he was a QB12, completed 27 of 33 passing, 273 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Uh, for me, right now, I've got him inside my QB1 range. I think he's more than just a uh, waiver wire play. I think he's an absolute locked in. Uh, starter this week. For me, I'm, I'm very bullish on the entire Miami Dolphins team so far this year. I think we'll probably touch on maybe another guy later on. Uh, for me, th- I think this week's fantastic. If you have any Dolphins players to fire them in for your first week, you could playoffs.
0: Very good. Uh, and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is uh, another one. I, I admittedly, I, I thought I was very high on Jimmy when he first came to San Francisco. I thought he might actually do some damage. Um, this year, not so high. I was really thinking Trey Lance would be a better option. Um, and uh, uh, I, I've been surprised to see this offense gel around Jimmy. Uh, he has two or two touchdown passes in five of his last six games. It doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. The Niners are winning, uh, and with uh, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel, uh, Grabo has a fantastic foundation uh, to build on. He's basically his upcoming schedule against the Falcons, the Titans, who. Uh, it seems like they're playing everyone we're talking about today, which is fantastic. And then the Texans, you're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo and going, well, can I trust him? And maybe the, the better question is, uh, what's the worst that can happen? Is two touchdowns and 200 yards going to hurt you that much if you don't have a top 10 quarterback ready to go? He's got the matchup. Uh, any thoughts about that, Tommy or Katz?
1: I think it's interesting last week. You know, he throws for, I think, 41 attempts with Joyce as a season high, but it's also in a game where, you know, you didn't have Elijah Mitchell. You had questions concerning the running backs with Jeff Wilson. So I wonder if they kind of leaned on that on Jimmy Garopp a little bit more because they didn't have a reliable uh, running back to lean on. But, I mean, he still threw for just shy of 300 yards, had two touchdowns, like you said, had the game-winning one. He's been a back-to-back top 15 quarterback with 18-plus points in his last two weeks. Like I said, gets Atlanta. They're 24th against the quarterbacks, and they're 31st on the season against them. Uh, I think it makes sense. Like they're a little hot and cold, but they've allowed over six, they've allowed six quarterbacks to throw for over 27 points against them. So like, I think Jimmy G makes some sense if you're needing a streamer. Very good. And uh, VT anxiety, uh, jumping in on the chat, thanking
0: Tommy for bringing up Tua. Um, So uh, uh, talking about Tua. uh, So uh, uh, thanks to, and thanks to cats for um, uh, setting up Tommy. And uh, I guess I can pat myself on the back for, saying we're going to talk about TUA. So maybe we all get some credit for that one. Thank you, VT Anxiety. And Clinic Cap, uh, r- uh, reminding us that tree envy is real. Uh, I am quoted, quoting Clinic Cap here, that tree envy is real. I have no proof of that. I haven't had a chance to go. Uh, but let us assume that Clinic Cap is correct and everyone go out there and prepare. Uh, I had for- this
1: sent to my house from my parents on the threat of I have to do this or I am disowned. I didn't even buy it. It got delivered, literally delivered to my doorstep
0: but you chose to put it on this podcast.
1: Yeah, out of fear for my life.
0: Oh, well, that's, um, okay. Well, uh, we can have another podcast about uh, that fear, but for now, we'll stick to fantasy football. Uh, we're going to running backs now. Tommy, uh, lift us up a little bit with Craig Reynolds. This is a shockingly strong performance by the Lions, coming out of nowhere from Cutstown University, uh, been around the league, but hasn't been able to uh, certainly start a game, let alone, I, I think, play a snap. Uh, What do you make of him? Is he
1: legitimate as a waiver pickup? I think it's a legitimate pickup just under because we don't know what's going to happen with the the Detroit Lions backfield. They've been eliminated from the playoffs, so we have an inkling that they might end up shutting down uh, DeAndre Swift. It hasn't been confirmed yet, obviously, but there's not much risk go out there and kind of keep throwing him out there. Jamal Williams kind of dealing with COVID. Um, you also had Jamar Jefferson last week kind of dealing with the flu, so I don't think he was even at full strength. And it was it was an interesting point. It was Adam Sheff who actually brought him up on the Fans Football Now show in the pregame. And I was kind of had to like, did a double take when he kind of talked about it. I kind of looked him up and like, all right, maybe he might be something. We kind of talked about him on our Fans channel. I think you guys end up putting out an article on him, and he goes out there and has a good day, a, a good day, rushes from oh, 83 yards on, on 11 carries, gets 25 yards. Uh, also, I'm sorry, no, it was uh, Godwin Izubike, I think it's how you pronounce it, pronounce it his name. I don't know. I'm from Indiana. I can't pronunciate anything. Uh he has 25 yards on eight carries, but I think it's it's an interesting point because, like, if the Lions can be in a game, they might be able to have things like this. I don't know if that's going to happen again this week, though. You play you play Arizona. Granted, they've given up some points to the running backs, but I don't think this is a great matchup because I think they're probably gonna get ahead pretty quickly on the Detroit Lions. So I think you pick him up on the hopes of maybe he gives you Low end RB3 production if Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift are both out, but it's it's a shaky play at best. It's not something I'm probably looking at starting, but yeah, pick them up for sure. I get it.
2: There's definitely value in sashing anyone who's a starting running back in the NFL. Yeah. So Craig Reynolds is at least worth consideration in that regard. But I share Tommy's concerns about what this Lions offense can do against the Cardinals. The Cardinals coming off a loss. I think they're going to bounce back with a fury, and they're just going to absolutely destroy the Lions this week. If the Lions are trailing, negative games through throughout – we're going to see more Godwin um Iguibuque, I think it's his last name. We're going to we're going to you it better
1: than I did, bud.
2: <laughs> uh Craig Reynolds played 46% of the snaps last week. Um uh, just you know, it's about, about half. That's that's fine if he's getting the carries, but if the carries aren't going to be there with them trailing, I'm not sure what he's going to be able to do the efficiency. He won't have 83 yards and 11 carries again. He only had two yeah. targets. And there's a chance Jamal Williams could get clear this week. If Jamal Williams gets clear from the COVID list, he's going to go right back to his role. It'll be him and it'll be Godwin as the satellite back, and there won't be much of Craig Reynolds, I think. So Craig Reynolds is is a, a consideration, but he's more of a lower priority this week. And one thing to throw out there
0: too is that after this week, uh, Detroit plays the Falcons and then the Seahawks, two very beatable defenses. If by chance the Lions decide to throw in the towel, uh, if they don't bring back DeAndre Swift, if they don't bring back Jamal Williams, if they just roll with Reynolds to see what they have in him as a potential number three. If Jamar Jefferson, I think was a seventh round pick, is not the answer. I could see them seeing what they have in Reynolds. A um, couple of comments here. I want to jump in. Uh, the Heinzel, uh, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, let's go with the Heinzel. Uh, should I start Trey Sermon or Tua Tagovailoa in my super flex spot? I, I think I, I'm going to answer this for everyone here, and I'm going to say I think Tua comfortably uh, if Trace, I, I don't were, think it's a serious
2: question, BJ. It's not a serious I, question.
0: <laughs> I but I am treating it, I'm treating it seriously because you never know the pressures that fantasy managers are under, right? We get in these in these uh, uh cycles in our head of like, wait, am I overthinking this? And I want to make sure the Heinzel and anyone who's who's friends with the Heinzel knows that uh, Tua is a safer super flex. If Trey Sermon were starting, I would still rather start Tua in the super flex. And then one more thing from clinic cap. He's back. He's back with all the COVID news today, specific day that stands for Obel Beckham jr. As we all know, does van Jefferson become a must start? If you roster him, what do you make Without of this does Ramson-
1: Yeah, he's, he's been a must start even with Odell Beckham jr. On the, on the field touchdowns in three straight games a plus targets in two out of his last three van jefferson's an absolutely legitimate player coming out of florida i think you absolutely he's a must-start player even if odo beckham jr does somehow come back this week
2: right now the biggest concern that we all have with the rams wide receivers is they were on a team plane last night with several covid positive players all of which were likely contagious at the time we have no idea What's coming in next coming days? We are we can be very confident there will be more positive tests. We just need to hope that it is not any of the players that are that are starters or fancy starters or that really impact the, the upcoming weeks.
1: The amount of times I've had to reshuffle my rankings since Sunday afternoon is ridiculous. I saw a tweet earlier. We've had thirty seven positive cases on Monday. Twenty five additional ones were added today. It's the single biggest spike we've seen. I think that I saw there were 111 from September 27th through November uh, 25th, I saw, and now all of a sudden we have this massive spike. It's, this isn't over anytime soon, and I don't think the players are talking about now. I would be surprised if all these guys make it into this weekend.
0: Very good point. And uh, Masker 18 uh, I just want to point out, did say, great question, Heinzel. So uh, Moody Masker 18 and I are on the same page. We really liked uh, the Heinzels question uh now let's jump to you uh cats rashad penny uh we've loved to talk about him on and off this season it's time for on uh what do you make of rashad penny we talked about him a little bit yesterday on the podcast uh as far as waivers go is he your number one and are you starting him with confidence this week is it let's say a top 18 running back
2: the number one ad, and it's by a very wide margin. If you have to decide between where you're going to put your remaining waiver wire capital, whether it's FAB or the number one waiver priority, whatever it is, you put everything on Rashad Penny. He had a 57% snap share last week, 16 calories, 137 yards, two touchdowns, career highs across the board. He is going to be the starter. The Rams were just torched by James Conner on Monday night. Uh, and if you have a buy, the seals get the Bears and the Lions in week 16 and 17. There are all sorts of reasons to be confident in Rashad Penny going forward as long as he can stay on the field.
0: Tommy, are you on the same page? Is there any doubt in that mind of yours, that 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 amazing fantasy football mind? There has to be some little computer chip in there that's telling you something different. I don't know how brains work, by the way. i just assume there's computer
1: chips. Go ahead. Glad you're not a neurosurgeon or a brain surgeon. Uh, for me personally, I'm a little more, um, I, I don't want to say sheep is on him, but I guess I'm a little more concerned. I have him a little bit actually just outside as a high-end RB3. Uh, if we look at the games that were the, were the uh, I'm sorry, were, if look at the games where they've kind of struggled against. You had James Conner, who has done that twice against him. Although last night it took nine carries for, uh, sorry, nine or seven for 93 yards to actually get those production. They had Chase Edmonds, uh, David Montgomery, DeAndre Swift, and A.J. Dillon. Those are the running backs that the the, uh, Los Angeles Rams have allowed to score double-digit points. I don't feel like we can probably put Rashad Penny in that exact same category, and I also don't trust Seattle Seahawks to do what we all expect. Um, For me, I think he will be the starter, like we're talking about. He's probably going to see volume. I just don't know if we're going to see the exact same type of production we saw last week. Like I said, for me, I think he's going to probably come in more as a high-end RB3 than a locked-in RB2. So, is so for
2: any is more of a pick up and stash and see what happens next week. And then if I if, think it's, if, I think
1: it's more roster dependent. Like if you have a deeper league, if you have a 14 team league. If you're at a team that's kind of struggled at your running back position, I can totally see starting. But I think it's just kind of the whole thing of just managing your expectations. Like don't chase the points, but look, you're going to get the volume of probably an RB one in a game that should be fairly competitive. And uh, the Heinzel uh, is firing up his Tua. His exact
0: words are firing up my Tua. So um, I paraphrase that for everybody. Look, if he struggles,
1: I'm going down with you because, like I said, I'm high on the Dolphins this week. Yeah. So look,
0: I mean, you know, with Trey Sermon versus Tua, I think you need about four points from Tua, and uh, and you're going to be set.
2: Um, I think he probably has one will get you snaps. I have one. <laughs> will get you there. It's all you need.
0: Very good. Uh, Dernis Johnson. Uh, this is an interesting case with Cream uh, Hunt uh, uh, potentially, likely, out. Uh, there could have been breaking yes. news in the last 30 minutes. And I, and I missed it. Thank you, Tommy, for saving me there uh, on the air. Uh Johnson is one of those interesting cases of a guy just like Jimmy G. I, I like to own these players that, that I fail miserably on. I thought uh, Dernis Johnson was a bad start back against Denver uh, when he scored something like nine fantasy points on the um, I ate crow that day, uh, and, uh, and, and uh, I learned my lesson. Uh, Dernis Johnson has a chance, I think, to be an impact player – And this is in light of the fact that Cleveland's got eight players on COVID list. Who knows what kind of team they're going to be able to field this week.
1: They Um, also play on Saturday.
0: They play on Saturday. So it's even harder for us to get off the list. Thank you, Tom, again, for uh, 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 jumping in there and and providing context. And so now we're left with, is this going to be a Chubb Dernis Johnson 40 touch uh, backfield? which I think is quite possible. I am very high on Darius Johnson. I learned my lesson. He's a legit running back and I would I would pick him up. Arguably he is maybe just under Rashad penny because of the volume, but I think longer term he is more intriguing
1: to me if Hunt stays sidelined. Uh Tommy, Cats, prove me wrong. I, I'm with you like I was actually a little down on Darius Johnson that very first game because I think we all kind of remembered getting burned on him the year beforehand and that bias kind of carried over into it, but after that big game he had like I couldn't deny it anymore, so I think he actually is a talented player, and he's played well enough in critical roles where I think the Cleveland Browns do feel comfortable relying on him. Now, granted, like you said, this might be a 40-touch game for the backfield. More than likely, you're going to see Nick Chubb probably get 30 of those. But I think on those other ones, you could see Dearness Johnson getting a little bit of run. They're inside the red zone. Like there's nothing saying that Dearness Johnson can't find one of those sneaky touchdowns. He's shown some of that breakaway ability in that first game that he had. So I could see him being a, a decent claim this week. It's it's all going to come down to you know who's going to be active, who's going to be out for the Cleveland Browns. Because I mean, one of the big names, you know, Wyatt Teller, You take away some of that offensive line strength they have, either a running game is going to struggle. Someone like Nick Chubb, who is good enough to to kind of beat some of the, maybe some inefficiencies on an offensive line. I don't know. If Jernis Johnson has that same capability because he's kind of benefited from the strength of this team, which is the, you know, that offensive line. So I think it'll be interesting. I do think, though, he would be worth the claim just given the situation in Cleveland Browns face themselves this week.
2: Yeah, I completely agree that he's worth a stash. We know what he can do with Chubb out. He averaged 16.4 PPR points per game in the games without Chubb. So he has that upside in the event something happens to Chubb. Kareem Hunt did not practice today. So he's trending toward not playing and he could be out multiple weeks, being described as week to week with the ankle injury, which means that Chubb is that Dearness Johnson is one Chubb injury away from being that RB1 again. And again, with all the COVID situation uh, going around the COVID cases going around in the league right now, the situation with the Rams being the worst in the league, we have no idea what could pop up. Who knows if they'll even need to, if they'll even build a field four wide receivers, they might use Dear Johnson as a receiver. We have no idea. He's worth a speculative ad, at least just just based on the situation.
1: I love how the NFL decided to do this the first week of the playoffs. Like we could have done this mid season or anything. Like let's wait until everything matters right now.
2: Yeah, this is just awful timing. I'm just terrified of losing big time players in the next com- coming days for, for those important weeks of the season.
1: If there's ever a week to make sure you're kind of glued to your notifications and find out who's in and who's out it's probably going to be this one
0: and if there's ever a a time to be glued to pro football network uh you are listening to two guys tommy and Katz, and me to some extent but i'm praising tommy and Katz here uh for really being out in front and studying this stuff moment by moment so that you don't have to um and uh, moody masker 18 jumping in saying baker is going to throw until his right shoulder Falls if um, But I think he means off uh, And I'm going to go with off on that one I just went to the board and they tell me It's off so let's go with uh, Until it falls off so we'll see what happens with that Moody Master 18 uh, Hopefully it will not fall off and hopefully It will be a run heavy game because I traded for Nick Chubb a couple weeks ago and I need him To rock and roll You've and traded way, for everyone
1: it seems like What's that? I said you've traded for everyone it seems like You make, root make for trade? everyone?
0: Oh, I've made 17 trades. I'm in one league. I made 17 trades this season. I haven't made 17 trades in eight leagues in the past 10 years. I know. I, um, I'm i a negotiator. That's all I do. That's, that's one of my joys. Um, so let's move on uh, from me to wide receivers. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders likely out, as you heard at the top of the broadcast. Cole Beasley and or Gabriel Davis, Tommy,
1: share some knowledge. Uh, I think the interesting is like it's first thing we have to figure out. Okay, what's going to happen with Josh Allen? Because we did see him in a walking boot after the game. So I think a lot of this is going to be on whether it's Josh Allen starting, whether it's Mitch Trubisky. Let's. I'm gonna kind of. I'm probably going to focus. Try to be positive and assume Josh Allen is going to be starting. I think it comes, it's going to come down, obviously, between um, Cole Beasley and it's going to come down to Gabriel Davis. And I think it's it's what do you value in a player? Do you want the high volume or do you want some of that touchdown upside? With, with Cole Beasley, you know, he had 11 targets in this game, had nine catches, 64 yards. It was the first time he'd posted double-digit fantasy points since week nine. Uh, he's kind of lacked the consistent volume that we saw last year We had 107 targets and his wide receiver 23. Gabriel Davis, on the other hand, who was one of my favorite players last year coming, coming into the season, all of a sudden it kind of lost his role a little bit. He's only played on 41% of the snaps compared to 71% last season. Although that is higher for most teams wide receiver threes. He saw eight targets in the last game, five of them for 43 yards and got the touchdown. So I think he's going to be that touchdown dependent kind of player, but who can get some of the volume. If you're in a PPR league, Cole Beasley's obviously could very well easily see, you know, double-digit targets in this game. So I think it's very much a you know, kind of pick your poison or what you kind of like. I can see both these guys having some flex upside, with Cole Beasley probably being the stronger play in PPR formats.
2: I was fading Gabriel Davis hard entering this season because I didn't understand why anyone wanted to draft the Bills wide receiver four. But it was not a lack of talent issue. It was just a lack of playing time. With Sanders out, Gabriel Davis is going to be on the field. The Bills run 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers, 67% of the time. They run 10 personnel 10% of the time. So that's 77% of the time they
1: have at least three receivers on the field. With Sanders out. They've run four personnel more than anyone else for the past two seasons. was a complete shift in how their offenses ran
2: they So four, yeah, 10% for four wide is, is a significant amount. And like Tommy said, more than anyone else in the NFL. So Davis will be on the field for 70 to 80% of the snaps with, if with Sanders out. And I like his talent. He's, he's certainly more of a touchdown threat than Cole Beasley. If Josh Allen is fine, I think Gabriel Davis has a good wide receiver three start this week. If Trubisky is out there, then no, Mr. Trubisky cannot support more than two fantasy relevant wide receivers.
1: I mean, just last week alone, he was number two in snaps. He played on 65-78 of and was number two in routes with 55, just one behind Stephon Dix. So we know the utilization is there so long as the targets are there to match.
0: Very good. I love that analysis. Um, VT Anxiety is wondering, will we be covering the final Injury report for the injury report for the week. Yes, we've got injury reports
2: throughout the week. mean uh, uh, Yeah, <laughs> well, the problem it is, is the, the final injury report is usually on Friday. But with all the COVID situations going on this year, there's this information coming out Friday night, Saturday, Sunday morning. Uh, yesterday, on Monday, we had new information. So it's just it's a constant, constant process. But we constantly put out injury reports and update our injury reports, and we're always on Twitter, and so you will get the latest information from us. Yeah. And by an hour
0: to an hour and a half before game time, those final, final, final injury reports are being uh, massaged based on the final active and active. So if you go on Pro Football Network about an hour beforehand, you are getting uh, the final version uh, based on what has been reported. Um, And uh, 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 Clinic Cap, thank you. He's a chronic trader, too. So Clinic Cap, you and I will have a lot to talk about. And maybe we should get in a league together so we can trade people every day. Um, now cats back to you, Donovan people's Jones, the Browns. Wow. What a day it's been for them. Not in a good way. What a seasons it's been for them. Not in a good way, but Donovan people's Jones, this, this glimmer of hope, this chance for like a three reception, 88 yards and a touchdown kind of day. What do you think as a waiver ad? Are you excited about picking up Donovan people's Jones? If you don't have a 10 point receiver in your flex spot. Are you going out to get DPJ?
2: What you just said is pretty much what his career stat line has been when he produces. Uh, the problem for me with Donald Peoples Jones is if all things are being equal based on his performance last week, I would just dismiss it, wave it off. I don't care because two to three times a season, he has a splash week. Fantasy managers rush to pick him up and he does nothing. He, last week, seven targets, though, career high, five receptions, career high, 90 yards, third highest of his career. He's nothing more than a boom-bust and bust, boom bust downfield threat. With all that being said, Jarvis Landry's on the COVID list. He's probably not going to be able to test out of it by Saturday. Hooper's out. They have no tight ends. Kareem Hunt is out as a pass-catching back. They are running out of players, so DPJ is going to be the wide receiver one. That has value. I can no longer dismiss him. It's possible that the volume could catch up to the efficiency this week, and that makes him somebody that you have to consider adding and possibly starting.
0: Any uh, disagreement there, Tommy, or you're you're nodding your head, aren't you?
1: I right, mean, I'm a Diamond People Jones fan. I mean, it's pretty obvious I'm a Michigan guy. Uh, for me, I kind of looked at his last couple of games. Like I said, he is very much Boomer bust. Over his last five, 90 yards, and then 10, 16, 86, 101. Uh, I guess in the last six games, he has seven 373 yards and three touchdowns, and that's including, like I said, those dud weeks in Week 11 and Week 12. Last week, five of seven for 90. Uh, he's played on 70 percent of Cleveland snaps in the last three games, and it very much comes down to just the fact of. He's the last one standing, although I think, though, he is he has enough talent to be able to take advantage of this role. I've got him as a wide receiver three this week. I think he could be a very solid player for you if you need that flex play. Very good,
0: and uh,
1: okay. um,
0: we got a question here, a start sick question. Uh, uh, someone has Jarvis Landry in their league on their bench. They have A.J. Green and Hunter Renfro. Who should yeah, I put in my, my flex on, on your very- bench? <laughs>
2: Go ahead, Cats. I said, no. I said, why is Hunter Renfro on your bench? He has been the wide receiver one over the past three weeks. This guy is an absolute must start. Um, Hunter Renfro should start over. Honestly, there's only like five or six receivers at this point. I'd start over Hunter Renfro. He needs to be in that lineup.
1: Yeah, for me, I think that's an absolutely easy one. It's, it's Hunter Renfro for me as well. It's the utilization of him you, you cannot top right now in the NFL. Uh, after losing um, Darren Waller, who's probably going to be out this week as well, you probably can't stop. it. He's seen seven or more targets in 10 in, uh, in ten games or nine or more in his last six. Since week nine, he's finished as a top 12 receiver and scored 18-plus PPR points in five of six games. In short to intermediate routes, he's one of the best route runners in the NFL, and Derek Carr loves to target him. So for me, it's it's got to be Darren Waller. I mean, sorry, it's got to be Hunter Renfro you're plugging in.
0: And right before week nine, uh, Pro Football Network put out, uh, we have a biweekly fantasy football newsletter that goes out for free to any subscribers. It goes out to many subscribers. And all of you who got it know that right before week nine, Hunter Renfro was one of the six biggest names to follow um, as someone who was on the up and up, that this was someone who had breakout potential. And if you followed our lead, he was widely available in leagues at that time. Uh, you had a guy who could help carry you, literally help carry you with all these 20 plus point performances uh, into the playoffs. Um, speaking of helping to carry people uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was Devonte Parker helped a lot of fantasy managers uh, carry I- people into the playoffs. It was a, as I recall, a contract year uh, and he lit it up and then uh, got an extension uh, and he's had some injury issues since, uh, but he seems to be uh, back as a solid number two behind Jalen Waddle. Um, I am very high on picking up Devontae Parker, uh, likely starting him against the jets as almost a no brainer, 12 point, you got to go for it kind of player. Um, and, uh, and I think Devontae Parker really is one of those guys. And I know uh, one of you, Tommy or cats, I forgot who wrote about him the other day too. So I'm stealing your thunder a little bit. Maybe I'm adding to the thunder. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Uh, double thundering is, is what we say when I was raised in New York city. Um, I just coined that. Uh, and so I think Devontae Parker is one of those guys that if he is available in your league, you have to pick him up at this point. He's a number two in a favorable matchup with a depleted backfield. That's a good recipe.
2: Cats, Tommy, thoughts? I am surprised that Devonte Parker is only rostered in 46% of Yahoo leagues. He, he came back uh, before the Dolphins by and he immediately stepped right into that wide receiver. One, two-ish role. I mean, still, like you said, Jalen Waddle is the one. But Parker, five catches on five targets, 62 yards, 71% snap share. He has been rock solid all season. He has had at least four receptions in every game. Uh, even before, I, mean, I know it was a long time, but he missed four games. But before that, he had 11 targets, missed three games prior to that. And it was nine targets, seven, nine, and seven. So he's getting that volume. And like we discussed earlier when we were talking about the Dolphins running back problems, if they don't have any of their running backs, they're going to lean onto it and they're going to throw the ball. And I think there's enough to go around for both Waddle and Parker to be wide receiver twos this week.
1: For me, I've got Waddle as like the wide receiver 13 on the week. So I'm very high on him and Parker's not that far behind. I've got him just right inside the top, right, uh, right at the top 30 kind of line. Like you kind of talked about, he's kind of been a, a must start for the most time he's played. He's averaging five receptions, 64.8 yards and eight targets per game when he played. Granted, he's only he's missed Miami's seven of Miami's last eight games, but when he's on the field, you kind of got to start him. I feel like the bye week kind of shaded some people, kind of made him forget about the mm-hmm. performance that he had. I think he's probably going to remind some people he's probably going to be playing pretty well against these Newark Jets. I think he's probably going to be a must-start this week.
0: You brought up a great point, Tommy. Bye weeks are a time uh, when I find it great to pick up guys off waivers because people yeah. are desperate, especially in midseason, uh, dropping someone who's going uh, uh, on bye because they can't stash them anymore because of injuries or bye weeks that's a time to pounce. Uh, uh, if you can stash someone for that, for that bye week, uh, you're getting value. Uh, shifting to tight ends, uh, Denver, Noah Fant and Albert Akwe Bunim. Uh Albert O.
2: We call him Albert O here.
0: I, 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 I wanted to go for it there. Uh, uh, everyone deserves a full name. And uh, what are your thoughts uh, between Albert O and Noah Fant? Is there a clear winner in this where is this five receivers, including the three wideouts, that you just kind of fade?
2: As I'll take this one here. Um, I I don't really I don't really think either of these guys are too desirable. We talked yesterday about I'm sorry, do, did we just go out? My entire screen no, we're went still blank. There. Sorry about I'll pick a
1: guy. Not the thing. With, with the thing mm-hmm. with, with Albert O. It's it's the whole situation about the Denver passing offense not necessarily having enough volume. Like they're supporting Jerry Judy, but like this is an offense that isn't even getting Cortland Sutton involved. Um, Noah Fan did leave the game last week with a leg injury. Came back, caught all four passes for fifty-one yards, and Albert O. Also had forty-one yards. But it was also the first game of the season for him with over 40, uh, with over 40 receiving yards. So for me, he kind of needs something to happen to Noah Fant to become fantasy relevant. Um, to me, there's just not enough volume on this team to go around. And it's when you have this duo of Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, like you can run the ball effectively and get wins or at least move the ball down the field. I don't have a really much of a desire to start a number two tight end for as talented as he is. Like he would be the most athletic tight end on 95% of offense in the NFL he just so happens right now currently play behind um, Noah fan. So for me, I'm probably going to stay away from unless there's an injury or something happens uh, to Noah fan above.
2: Yeah. I'm with Tommy there. Sorry about that. My internet spiked briefly, but I am back. And yeah, we talked yesterday about uh, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick and the issue with Broncos pass catchers in general. On a low-volume passing offense with Teddy Bridgewater, who's just not attempting that many passes in, in, uh, in any game this, this season, and now we're talking about Alberto being a, the backup tight end. Essentially, he is at the absolute highest, sixth, maybe seventh on the target totem pole, and that's just not somebody that's going to have any consistent fantasy value.
0: And uh, uh, Moody Masker eighteen pointed out that fans' uh, uh, average uh, depth of target uh, this season is only four yards, uh, so it's something to consider. I, I find those things can be um, uh, helpful, but also don't overthink it. If you're in a PPR league, um, you're you're taking six catches for 25 yards uh, for a tight end. If if you don't have a you know a TE one, you'll take that. Well, we um, talk about it
1: though. Like you need touchdown upside for a tight end for the most part. If you're looking at a string right. potential,
0: and if you're looking to just get by, uh, you'll you'll take the targets however they come. Um, uh, we're going to uh, jump in with one more tight end and then a little bit of a speed round to wrap things up. Revan Jordan cats going to you, uh, Houston, uh, is he a legitimate player to pick up
2: at this stage of the season? If you want to win your fantasy league. I don't think so. He had seven targets last week, which you love to see. Four passes, four receptions, 26 yards. He caught the touchdown. And again, that's what we're looking for with these tight ends is the touchdown. The problem is how can we reliably uh, predict that going forward? He played just 36% of the snaps, which is behind Farrell Brown, the uh, Texans' starting tight end, who played 64% of the snaps. Brevin Jordan's a fifth-round rookie. I think he's got some upside in the future. But right now, I'm just not clamoring to go pick up the Texans' backup tight end.
1: See, I, I love Brevin Jordan. He was my tight end three for a long time in this class coming out of uh, coming out of Miami. I think he fits all the athletic characteristics you're looking for. And it's I kind of said I mentioned this earlier today. Like this game is either going to be fantastic because both teams suck equally, or it's going to just be a complete calamity and it's going to be unwatchable. I don't know if there's going to be a middle ground. Like Brevin Jordan is the only other player outside of Brandon Cooks to have multiple touchdowns on the season on this on the season Texans roster not including quarterbacks. Like the only other person that actually has any touchdowns, like in the backfield was actually like Rex Burkhead three of those, three of the touchdowns for the uh, Houston Texans came in week one against this same um, Jaguars uh, defense. So I think, I think he's got that touchdown upside, but it's there's just so little consistency to try to rely on right now for Brevin Jordan. I think I said, he's going to be a better play in the future, but for right now, I'm probably going to stay away and watch this game.
0: Very good. And just going to the last few players, as we wrap up in these last three or four minutes, Ryan Tannehill he's an interesting case Julio Jones is getting back on the field he got back this past week Um, uh, and AJ Brown could be back I think as early as week 16 is Ryan Tannehill someone available in a bunch of leagues someone that fantasy managers if you don't have a top eight quarterback do you roll the dice the Tennessee's passing attack figures things out with everyone healthy do you pick up Ryan Tannehill
1: He's a low volume play but you're just hoping that the Pittsburgh Steelers defense does what the Pittsburgh Steelers defense do and that's give giveaway that's giveaway yards. Last week you know they they ran just nothing but man coverage against the Minnesota Vikings which I still can't wrap my head around like you're going to sit here and just watch Jefferson Justin Jefferson run deep crosses against you all game long and do nothing. What do you think Julio Jones is going to do probably against you? Unless they're going to try to do some type of bracket coverage against him, like I could see him having a decent day. It's they lack a lot of other plays, a lot of other players around him, just given the injury situation. Um, but it's not a lot of other options on this team. I can see him being like coming in that mid quarterback, two kind of range. Not someone I'm probably excited to pull, tr- excited to start. I probably you can probably find some better upside plays, but I get it. If there's probably no one else better than you than uh, Ryan Tannehill out there, I can make some sense out of it. <laughs>
2: Tannehill has, thro- Tannehill has thrown multiple touchdown passes in exactly two games this season. So I'm not too excited about the upside. But as you said, if if the Titans are moving the ball and they're in, getting in scoring position, whether the touchdowns are rushed in or thrown in, that that's kind of random. And it tends to even out. So, so perhaps Tannehill could throw two of them and then, he, then he'd be at least high end could be two if he throws two touchdowns. And we're going to end this with
0: a question that I'm going to answer folks and feel free to jump in. Cause I never want to steal your thunder on this. Again, I'm bringing up thunder. Uh, I love that word today. Question from Dallas Robinson, or maybe it's Dallas D Robinson, but I'm going Dallas Robinson. Cause I like how that sounds. Sounds like a private investigator. If you have a solid starting roster, is it worth using multiple roster spots to hoard defenses with good matchups for the fantasy playoffs here is my answer mr robinson i did that two weeks ago i had two defenses i was holding denver for their game against detroit and i was holding out of the bucks and i looked ahead to my week 14 opponent opponent which turned out to be a win and get in the playoffs lose and you're out of the playoffs and i went ahead and i said who's the best defense available for that week so i can block him i picked up tennessee and the long story short, and I've got it right here on my phone, maybe I shouldn't have shown that on the air, but anyone can uh, uh, freeze that and see. I won by 12 points this week. My opponent, because he couldn't get Tennessee, got the Chargers. Tennessee outperformed the Chargers by 15 points. If I had not picked up a third defense, I wouldn't have gotten to the playoffs because Tennessee was the obvious call. So that is, that is exhibit A, or maybe exhibit D, if people have better uh, ideas, uh, for picking up but any defenses that have great matchups in the fantasy playoffs, they are. it's not just you're getting the points if you use them. You're blocking your opponent from getting the points. That swing could be 10, 15, 20 points if you play it right. Thanks for your question, Mr. Robinson. Cats, uh, Tommy, any thoughts on your end?
1: i think the last part you made was probably the most impactful it's not even just so much what you're bringing to your team is what you're possibly stopping someone else from getting i would always caution like don't drop somebody that you think might actually have a good game like it all comes down to how you have your roster construction and the type of players you have on your bench but if there's someone sitting out there right now who you think okay they might be like the top five defense in this week and your opponent might not have one and you're trying to play for the long game i could absolutely make a case for trying to pick up multiple defense it's the one time of year where I could say have multiple defenses on your bench that are in good matchups, just either whether you're going to play them or try to block someone else because it's a cutthroat game. And as more and more people get eliminated, desperation plays become a bigger issue. Just taking some of those options away from your opponent is actually a really good strategy in the playoffs. That, that's what I was going to lead
2: with. That's what I was going to lead with is when you're drafting back in August, early September, under no circumstances, should you ever draft more than one defense? In fact, you're- you shouldn't even probably draft one. Yeah, I mean, well, my strategy is I draft. I look at week one schedule. That's it, week one, and I draft who I think has the best matchup. Because the reality is, we have no idea who the good defenses are in in weeks one or two or three, and more importantly, we don't know who the bad offenses are that we want to stream against. But as look you get, at Washington for an example. Right, you thought you thought they were a good team to stream against for a while, and now all of a sudden, maybe maybe not. I'm I'm not sure. But as you get later in the season, it there's there's more merit in having multiple defenses because you, you draft all those late round dart throws and you're like, oh yeah, I'm so excited to have Brian Edwards on my team or Terrace Marshall. And then by week two, week two, three, three, you're dropping these guys and you're and you're better off having difference-making defenses that are playing the Jets or, or playing the Panthers going in the future. So right now, your bench should be optimized to help you win your playoff matchups. And if that means that you forego a random wide receiver four or five because you want to pick up a defense facing the Jets in week 15 or 16, then you go ahead and do that.
1: Two weeks ago, I did the same thing. I picked up Miami because I knew they were playing the Jets this week. They're now a top three defense in my rankings.
2: Cardinals stashed in in leagues for weeks because they were playing the Lions this week. Well, you just heard it. There's a, a
0: unanimity. Uh, on this issue and uh, get to it. Very quickly before we sign off, VT Anxiety, one more question. Keenan Allen activated off the COVID list. Thank you. for you. I'll always remember, VT Anxiety, that you were the one to tell me this because I have Keenan Allen on my team uh, as well. I actually drafted him, traded him away, then got him back uh, and stacked him with Justin Herbert and Mike Williams. That's for another podcast. Uh, Keenan Allen, he's definitely startable against the Chiefs. It's a Uh, no-brainer. Chargers are eight and four. Uh, They win. Uh, This is a, 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 or eight and five, excuse me. What is it? Eight and five folks. Um, This is, this is a Chargers team that I think is the best position they've been in to get to the AFC championship game in a long time. Uh, And you Keenan Allen is the key with Austin Eckler to making that happen. Along with obviously Justin Herbert. Uh, Again, I'm BJ Rudell joined by fantasy analysts at pro football network, Tommy Garrett and Jason Katz, better known as Katz. I'm also with Pro Football Network. We are all PFN people. You can find us at profootballnetwork.com on the fantasy page. Check out all the NFL content on Pro Football Network, Twitter, uh, Facebook, newsletter, uh, other stuff. I think mail. I think you can send us mail and we might answer it, but I'm, uh, I'll have to get back I'll to Don't send us
1: mail, please.
0: Because Tommy has to read it. It's something he, he's very uh, control freakish about reading all the mail that we get. So just don't overload him. Uh, Thank you again for joining us.